I'm on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CHP, see the phenol. Hey, you. all over the board, but 
<laughs> today's show is going to be something special. Miss Audrey Gunther from Persports, uh, com and Tatsports.com will be on the show with us later on to break down the bracketology and everything that goes along with <laughs> with the NCAA tournament. Um, also, we'll be talking about some UFC, uh, the UFC card in Brisbane. Um, that's about to get started in about two hours, about, about two hours from now. Also, we're going to be going to check in, um, check in with you guys and see how you guys, what you guys think of what's been going on in the NCAA tournament and everything. But before we even do that, we're going to jump right into the devotional, and the devotional is actually a pretty good one. Uh, it comes from Philippians two six through eleven. Um. Who, although although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing that, to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of even on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed him the name which is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, has been given the name above all other names. Jesus has complete authority over heaven and earth, and he exercises that authority according to his Father's good purposes. Christ's position over the Lord as Lord over all mankind will never end. Most of the people in our world have not acknowledged Jesus' right to rule. They reject his lordship and do whatever they think is best. As a result, sin abounds, wreaking havoc in the lives of many. The good news is that the Father has a plan, which cannot be stopped. One day, every person will acknowledge the authority of Jesus. This is God promised. All created beings in heaven, on earth, and under the earth will kneel before him, including those who have rejected the Son of God. What a triumphant and glorious time that will be. Even that, even before that day, we must follow the Savior or to live our lives our wills bent in submission to his. If Jesus is Lord over us, then we will acknowledge that life revolves around him and we will exist for his purposes, not the other way around. We'll also make his priorities our own, giving the Lord's plans precedence over all others. We will furthermore confess his lordship over us, proclaim, proclaim that he's our savior, and testify what he has done for us. Our choices will reflect the desire to be a living testimony to his lordship in our lives. Surrendering control to Jesus Christ is the wisest decision you can make. Is he truly is he truly lord of your life? There ain't nothing more I can say about that. I mean nothing more I can say. But wow, what a day! What a day! What what a last two three days! I mean, 
the NIT got started with a bang on on Tuesday. The St. Bonaventure goes down. Uh, the only seat, the only one seat that went down was St. Bonaventure. I mean, Wagner pulled a big upset. Um, I mean, and then you look at you look at what happened, you know, in in the first four games. In those first four games, I mean, you got a school that wasn't even supposed to win any games. Got one game in and, and then got blown out. Holy Cross! I mean, there's so there's so many great stories that are coming out of, out of these games and a lot of drama, a lot of I mean, just wow, wow. But we're gonna take a quick station break. We'll be right back and we're gonna jump. We're gonna jump into the UFC and and talk about some other things, but we're gonna take a quick session break. We'll be right back. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, you could have been anywhere in the world. But you're right here with us tonight. And I thank you for that. From yeah. Norfolk, Massachusetts. Yeah. Yeah. Give it up for him, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. Homie, my eyes too filled with the shit I seen. And daytime, so me still I dream. When a cold glass fills with the feel I bring, it's still it's old schooler when I ride on clean. And I could reach on to the levels above, or maybe skyrocket to the levels of buzz. I'm feeling way better by the end of my run. So I'm in paradise kicking by the time that I'm done, you feel me? A new space where my mind is. Your opinion couldn't define this. And we searching only to find bliss. Steady living on, cause you can never rewind this. Living I earn, I give and I earn. Hustle and burn through the essence of spreading my word. I stay vivid to the dreams done. On these verses, I'm giving Cupid machine guns. So bada boom, what's love? Come on. Against the world, round one, nothing here to take the pressure off. On skylines, I can level off. I put my ego on the edges of clouds until I let them dry. Hitting the ground, good riddance. The boy rigid with sand and my mood shifting. Young nights with parties and new women. Regardless of the crowds, I'm thinking we too different, cuz. They end up for recognition, we end up for love. Cursing a dollar to the point that I'm getting me some. Miles above what was supposed to be out of my brain. Ironic, cuz I thought about jumping a gun. Biting bullets with the peace signs on them. Running from the ruckus to the whole path on us. Running it still, never forgetting where I came from. It's one love and one fan to the game's one. We ain't the same, son. Yeah. 
it, man. Do what you love. And focus on what you care about. And who you care about. And on and on and on. We pressing on and on and on. And one more time before we're up out of here. Give it up for the beautiful lyric of Jada. Pressing on and on and on We gone
Welcome back to the Press Box and the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine, and I this is the time of year that I get real excited, and I get real excited about sports because it's getting close to spring football. No, I know spring football practice is going is going on for a lot of for a lot of schools right now. I know March Madness is upon us. NCAA wrestling, um, NCAA wrestling finals are tonight. Constellations are later on, are later on in the day. Um, you know, men's gymnastics uh, gets underway. I mean, the women's tournament. There's been some some major upsets there already. I mean, uh, it's this is just an exciting time for me. Also, also conference baseball has started has started this week as well. So we're starting to get down to the nitty gritty. We're starting to get back getting into that countdown phase of of college football. And that that makes me excited. But at the same time, if you're not a fan of basketball, if you're not a fan of of March Madness, which is probably the most special time of year besides football season. This is, I mean, then you're not a sports fan. I mean, like, I'll just put it that way. I mean, mean, I understand you don't like basketball or whatever, but this this month of basketball, whether it's conference tournaments, whether it's anything in the world right now, it, it, it doesn't get no better. And then you throw in, then you throw in some, Big time, some big time fights in combat sports here in the next two weeks. Boxing, <laughs> boxing with a big card next week, this weekend, next week. Um, and then you have a UFC card from Brisbane, from Brisbane, Australia, which is probably, which is pay per view quality in itself. And it, it's so, it, it's so difficult to, to not to not put down the <laughs> the remote control and not want to watch everything, you know. So I mean, it, it's it's one of those deals. But we're gonna jump right into it, and you know, the UFC card Mir versus Frank Mir versus Mark Hunt. It's one of those cards that I tell you. It's pay per view quality. All six cards on this main card are in the uh, Fighter House a few years back. Season back. He's fighting uh, up the card. I mean, then you have some, some other, uh, other things that are going on. I mean, it, it's just. It's so awesome to see what what's gonna happen in, in these car you know, on this car. Um I mean, let's just start let's start from the main card, the, the card opener. Beck Rollins is who's an Australian fighter again. Was in the was in the Ultimate Fighter House, um was in the Ultimate Fighter House. She's one and one in the UFC, she's six and four overall. She's a great fighter who can she can bang, and she's fearless. She's she's a Muay Thai fighter who who likes to stand up, 
but if you take her to the ground, she kind of struggles on the ground, but, um, you know, she can, she can defend the takedown pretty good as well. So, I mean, nobody's tried to, you know, try to take her down a few times, but I mean, she comes right back up. I mean, she's got a really good takedown defense. So, um, but she hasn't attempted a takedown yet. And, and she's she's got some quick hands. She's got she's got some she's got some long arms, you know, for for a woman fighter. I mean, she's got some long arms. She's got sixty four inch reach, and uh, she'll be fighting at one fifteen. And uh, and she's a big one fifteen. I mean, she's fought at one twenty. She's fought as high as one forty five, and now that she's in in her natural in her, in a weight class that she's comfortable in. Uh, I can see her. I can see her at 115, giving Johanna Jezerovich all the trouble that she that she can give her. But she's got to work her way up to that. You know, she hasn't fought in almost a year, and this is her first fight back. Um, I've heard some visa issues. I've heard injuries. I mean, a lot of things have have happened with her in the past past few months, past you know past year or so. So. Really glad to see her back in back in the UFC fold. Was supposed to fight on the UFC card um, on the on the Rousey card on the Rousey home card, uh, but injuries injuries uh, prevented that from happening. So, um, like I said, just really glad to have her back. Um, this this is a this is a this is a make or break fight for you know to be honest with you. I mean. Because we haven't seen her much, you know, and we know that there's some more cuts that are about to come. Uh, Shioi Ham is a, is a great fighter as well. She's a she's almost like a catch wrestler, but she's not really a catch wrestler. She can stand up, she can bang. She doesn't really try to take downs here in the UFC, and her takedown defense is somewhat suspect um, from seeing her in her last fight. Um, she's very suspect uh, when it comes to that, but at the same time, I mean, I, I am very, very excited. I'm looking forward to the looking forward to the fight because, you know, she's got that. She's got that kind of. <laughs> she's got that kind of style that that could make that can make fights. I mean, let's look at what she did back in November on on the fight night on on the fight night card. Uh, you know, she got fight of the night with Courtney Casey um, in a fight that she that she won. So, I mean, both of these fighters are one and one in the UFC. Both of these both of these ladies can strike, but Ham like she she bangs. She she gets banged a lot. You know, she takes a lot. She absorbs a lot of punishment, and she comes she comes with punishment as well. So, I mean, just just excited to see what kind of fight. Is going to come out of this. Out of this, I mean, where we have action-packed, action-packed fight, where we have just one of those fights where you look, you you look in a phone booth and you just see two people going at it. Will we have that kind of fight? Which would which would be really good. This would be a really good fight. Um, if you're looking for a fight like that, if you're looking for pure skill, this will be a, this will be a great fight too. Because, I mean. You're not gonna see them hit the ground, so um, you're not gonna see them hit the ground much. So it's just 
this is gonna be a stand up war and and i and I like it I like it a lot but um you know i i I won't pick a winner for this fight simply because I mean picking winners in fights is like is like picking winners in <laughs> In you know Russian roulette, I mean you just can't do it. I mean you got a fifty-fifty shot of doing anything, but you know I just wouldn't do it. I just won't pick. Just won't pick the fights. I just you know I think this is gonna be a great fight. You know next fight on the card is gonna be a great fight as well. I mean James Tahuna, Steve Boston, these guys can just flat out bring it. They are going to bring it. Um, Bossy, I've seen I've seen fight before. I think this is I think this is actually Boston's UFC debut. So um or second or first or second fight in the UFC. Yeah, second fight in the UFC. Uh, you know, he lost his first fight by not by knockout and and um trying to remember that fight and uh, really don't remember that fight um at all and you know, Steve Bossy ten is ten and two. Um coming into this fight one no, it's only uh, he's only fought one time in the UFC. That was to Tiago Santos and and um Steve Bossy's got he's got some got some ooh, horrific hands. Um no, we, We'll we'll try to strike with you. We'll bang with you. Um, even though hit that, that first fight in the UFC didn't last long. This is at 185 pounds, and James Tahuna, um, he's got some really really big time hands. I mean, he's got one punch knockout power, uh, but he's also a volume puncher too, who can put who can put you away just. He can put you away with one punch. He can put you away uh, with everything he does, and you know he he likes to he likes to take he likes to take you down. He will take you down. Um, he likes to ground and pound, um, and he's okay. He's okay in defending the takedowns, but where his bread is buttered is standing up and and throwing bombs at you. He's he throws nice kicks. He throws, you know, he's got got power. Like I said, he's got power in both hands, but he throws nice kicks as well. So he he'll mix up the striking. He'll mix up his wrestling. But Steve Bossy can do a little bit of everything. Um, he's trained with TriStar before. He's trained uh, with Zarabi at TriStar. He's trained at at. Um, in Vancouver, uh, with some with some fighters over there. Uh so I mean like this is this is a this is one of those fights that whoever can can take a punch will win the fight and whoever and whoever gets off the first punch can end this fight and end this fight really quickly. And James Tahuna, you know can we say about Tahuna that hadn't been said about him before? I mean, this guy is just a, he's a warrior. I mean, a fight of the night, I mean, a fight of the night winner. And, you know, he lost his, lost his last three fights. 
he lost to Glover Teixeira by by choke. He lost to Shogun by knockout. He lost to Nate Marquardt by armbar. I mean, and he was in those fights as well. So I mean, and in those fights he fought and he fought four times and he fought four times in in 2013, and he hasn't fought in the UFC since 2014, and that was his loss to Nate Marquardt and injuries, pullouts. Changes in gyms, changes in management has hurt him a lot, actually. And when you break it down like that, and you've been in and out, not really, not really fighting much. I mean, it's it's, it's it takes a toll. And um, hopefully, hopefully we have guys like him uh, back in. And really show what the UFC is all about. Uh, you know, all the news that have come out of the UFC here in the last couple of nights. Um, you know, the Matt Michion saga is pretty much over. Uh, he signed with Bellator. And the reason why he said he signed with Bellator is because the lure of the fight with Fedor. You know, okay, I thought, you know, you want to fight with Fedor, which is cool. You know, Fedor is only on a three-fight contract with Bellator. So, you tell me when you're going to fight, when you're going to get a chance to fight Matt Mitchell. I mean, you tell me when you're going to get a chance Fedor, you tell me when you're going to get a chance to, to fight anybody because the heavyweight division in Bellator is probably the weakest weight, weakest class in Bellator. Uh, the 205 class and the 155 and 170 classes are probably the class of the class of Bellator right now. You know, probably the best class of them all is 205. I mean, you've added some good, pretty good fighters in 205, and then you've added some other fighters, you know, at other weights, like a like a Ben Henderson, who's going to be fighting uh, here pretty soon um, in a championship fight, first fight out. I mean, um, then you also have, you know, the big question is, is will... Um, is will DJ sign a new contract with the UFC? Um, he's out of contract after after his next fight, after the Cejudo fight. He's out of contract. So, um, and then he goes into that sixty day exclusive uh, negotiating period. Um, so, I mean that that just doesn't bode well. I mean, Roy McDonald's in his last fight of his deal. I mean, we the UFC really needs to lock down a lot of these great fighters, especially a guy like especially young guys like Rory McDonald, um, your champion, like like uh, Mighty Mouse. I mean, Kiri Cejudo. You mean you've got to lock him down as well, coming I because I think he's out of contract after this fight as well. So I mean, you've got you've got to lock down some some big time fighters in here, you know, that you're having that are coming out of contract right now. Um, and I know a lot of I know a lot of the fighters there are talking about um, the whole deal with 
with Reebok, how they don't like it, how they just really just hate the deal um, because of the way that, it, that it's set up. And, and a lot of people have publicly come out and said it, but a lot of people have said it, you know, just to yourself. I mean, you know, and that that that's what makes it kind of makes it pretty pretty difficult, you know, to want to do something and to want to have something um, there in the UFC. So I mean, it's it's, it's very hard, very very hard. And uh, getting back on point. Uh, sorry about that little that little digression there. I mean. Um, but you know, we're looking we're looking at more of these fights and you know, again on this main card, Daniel Kelly, another Australian fighter, ten and one. I think he was in I, I wanna say he was in the he was in the house uh, one of the ultimate fighters as well. Um in one of the tough seasons as well. So I mean um he's just he's just a great he's a good fighter and and um, this is his fifth. This is his fifth time in in the UFC, and he's basically fought um, basically fought exclusively in Australia for the UFC. He's fought, he's fought, he's fought in. You know, he's fought in Sydney. He's he's fought. He fought on that on the card, and uh, he won on the Rousey on the Rousey home card. Um, Back in November, I mean, and he was back into it. He, he actually wanted to take a fight. Um, he actually wanted to take a fight on, on that card, and and uh, he actually wanted to take a fight on on, on the pay per view card, the um, the McGregor Diaz card. So, I mean, that. That in itself is is a pretty good. It was a pretty good card, and uh, and I, I was excited about about seeing him come back in and, and the way he fought because after after he lost to Sam Alvey, I, I kind of lost kind of lost a little bit of confidence in him. But when he came back and uh, fought Steve Montgomery and fought Steve Montgomery, I think that was a, actually a short notice fight, if I'm not mistaken. I mean. Um, he he just he did everything that he needed to do. I mean, he got, got lots got lots of takedowns. I mean, used his wrestling to his advantage. I mean, but with Antonio Carlos Jr., I mean, you have to use your wrestling to your advantage, but you also gotta gotta be cognizant of what what Carlos can do on the ground because Antonio Carlos is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt. Um but he comes from that that um he, he's he's trained with Nova Nova you, you know who who's spawned out some great who's got some had some great fighters he's got some great fighters in that camp um Hanan Burrell, uh Jose Aldo I mean to name to name a couple I mean then he's also he's also was a student of the famed shoot the box uh camp in Brazil as well so I mean, that spawned out the Huas, spawned out, <laughs> I mean, spawned out Shogun, spawned out Ninjas, spawned out guys like, like, it, I mean, <laughs> this, he spawned out some guys. And, uh, 
you know, I mean, it is just great. I mean, we're going to see a lot of things to that's going to be different. I mean, because both of these guys like to do things similar but different. Um, Daniel Kelly is a judo the judo Olympian. You know, he likes to use likes to use the judo a lot. He's a judoka, but he's put his judo and rounded it into a pretty good into a pretty good UFC type type skill set. Where you know he can stand up, he can bang, he can kick. I mean, it, it's it's just a different thing and. Um, you know, I just I love the way I love the way he fights. I mean, he, he's a submission fighter. He can he can um, you know submit guys, but I mean he he's a and he's a softball too. I mean, like that makes it even that makes it even better. And Tony Carlos Jr. On the other hand, you know, both of these guys have been have been in, in, in on the Tough Enough series. Well, I'm sorry, the uh, Ultimate Fighter Series. Um, Antonio Carlos Jr. actually won uh, Tough Brazil at heavyweight. So, I mean, you know what these guys can do. And again, Antonio Carlos Jr., heavy-handed Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Champion. I mean, what else can you say about this guy that hadn't been said about him before? This guy can bang. These guys can bang. They will bang. And it's not an exciting fight because you're going to see pace. Gonna see, both of them have pace. Both of them like to, like to try to do the takedowns. Both of them like to try to, try to, you know, get the guys to the ground and, and bang you out or submit you some sort of way. I mean, both of these guys can, they, their skill sets are so similar, but yet so different. And, you know, you kind of have to give the advantage to, to the guy I mean, you can't give an advantage to either one of them because their skill sets and the way that they the way that they play are so the way that they fight are so similar. But you're looking at a southpaw versus versus an orthodox, and that's going to be the main the main part of this as well. So, I mean, you got some things that are going to happen um, right now. So. Uh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. You know, moving on and and another fight that everybody talks about. You know, Jake Matthews, um, Johnny. Jake Matthews was another guy who who actually um, who's actually. I mean, he's just he's a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guy. He's a young guy. You know, he's a really, really young guy. Um, I can see him fighting. I mean, he's 55. He's 21 years old. I mean, he's a 155-pound fighter. I mean, this kid, just he's taking on a guy in Johnny Case who is a really good guy, really good fighter. but with Jake Matthews, he's three and one in UFC. Um, got submitted, and then came back in and won the fight against Ariola. Uh, stopped, you know, come back in on the Rousey card, won the fight against Ariola on the undercard, 
Um, now he's got a test in, in Johnny Case, and Johnny Case is not is not a pushover fighter as well either. Um, I, I like this fight a lot, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu um, black belt, he he is just well, I'm sorry, he's a brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but I mean, he's pulling off Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I mean, he's pulling off high-level Jiu-Jitsu moves for no reason. Um, and and not only that, I mean, this guy is just, he he's a gifted guy. I mean, he's not one of those guys you really talk about. He's not the Sage Northcutt, you know, that come in, you know, with all this hype and hoopla and just, but just didn't care. But, you know, you know, you just don't, you don't really hear much about him, but this guy's he's he's got some nice hands. I mean, from what I've seen, he's got some nice hands. He's got some great, got great takedowns, and he doesn't get hit. You know, um, he can pass the takedown. You know, he's kind of it's kind of rough on the on the takedown. You know, in him taking down, I mean, he's gotten stuffed a lot a couple times. He got. Uh, you know, and when he does take somebody down, I mean, he passes guard and, and you know, and he finishes, he can finish. But with Johnny Case, I mean, Johnny Case is, is a little bit different. He's a little bit different animal. I mean, he almost, Johnny Case almost reminds me of, I mean, the way that he fights at times, Johnny Case kind of reminds me of a, of a guy like, uh, dare I say, um, he's got he's got an exciting thing to him, and um, and uh, he's 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 a big time fighter. I mean, when you when you are when you train on a mile jury, I mean, you pretty much train everything. You train boxing, you train kickboxing, you train tie, you train, you know, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, everything. And he's a, he's a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Miles Jury. And Miles Jury is I mean, if you if you have to learn jiu-jitsu for anybody, I mean Miles Jury or Long Sarah Longo or well, Frank Mir, who who's starting his own jiu-jitsu school. I mean, you've got so many great, great fighters that train jiu-jitsu, that, that teaches you jiu-jitsu. He's in a great, great, great um, setup now. He was, you know, he made the move to power MMA, which was, which was pretty good for him. I mean, um, which was really, really good for him. And, um, I knew that he was going to leave Rufus. Um, he first three fights one of the Rufus, but Rufus Sport. Now he's at Power MMA, and he's he's actually a lot better. Um, I I, wanna, I hope we see his striking improve a lot, especially you know I know he's got he's got heavy hands for a guy for for a fifty five guy. He's got really heavy hands. He's got really heavy kicks. I mean. 
when I say heavy kicks, I mean he puts kicks through you and not at you, you know. And that's what makes him such a good, such a great fighter, in a sense. Um, he can take he can take you down. He can take you down, and he's susceptible to the takedown. But he jumps right back up. You know, that's what makes him such a good. This is what makes this fight such a such an intriguing fight because you've got two guys who like to go to the ground. You got two guys who like to stand up and bang. You got two guys who can just can just go at it. And, and again, just like the Tehuna, just like the uh, the Tehuna fight, you know, with Antonio Carlos. This is this this is a mirror image of each other, except both of these guys are conventional fighters who can really bang, who can really go at you. So I mean, like this this is an intriguing fight. You know, and the winner of this fight will probably move himself up up that ladder and put themselves close to that top fifteen. Um close to that top fifteen. Maybe ready to step up that upper echelon fighter. Um it, it's just, this is uh, this is one of those times that you just you you just love it. You you you're you're starting to love what you're gonna see. And you know, you look at a guy like Johnny Case, he kind of reminds me of a lot of, of a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, except Wonderboy can can strike and he kicks and he does it, he can do everything the same, but he but they do it in a different kind of style. I mean, if that if that makes any sense, I mean, if that makes any sense. So I mean, it, it's one of those. It's one of those deals. Now, I mean, again, you can't pick a fighter in this in this card because it, it, I mean, it it'd be crazy to pick a to try to pick a fighter in this card or oh, any of these fights. I mean, Hector Lombard, you know, Neil Magny. I mean, this is this this has got just highlight reel written all over it because you got both guys who can just stand up there and just they will kill you. They will literally kill you. And you know, Hector Lombard gives up a lot in reach. You know he gives up a lot in reach. I mean a six three Neil Magny who's one seventy. Um who could in fact possibly move up. I mean Hector Lombard has been as high as 205 and dominated at 205, dominated at 85. You know, now he's at 170 and he's at at a weight where it's perfect for him because he's probably the biggest guy in the division. Um, I mean, is he, I mean, is he the next thing? You know, that's yet to be seen. I mean, Hector Lombard has been, been in and out, um, been injured, you know, has been, you know, been suspended. I mean, it's a lot of things. This is a big fight for both fighters because Neil Magny is looking to get himself in that top five. He's looking to he's looking to get some some big time fights, you know, in the next coming few months, uh, especially especially you know with 
you know, with Johnny Hendricks losing the way that he did, I mean, this is this is just losing to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I mean, you got some you got some fighters that that are at one seventy, you know, that will fight now. I mean, also, you have Donald Cerrone who's throwing his name in, in the one set in one seventy. You know, after his after his destruction job that he did um, in his one seventy debut. I mean, he'll go up and fight at 70 again. Uh, I think he's going to back up to 70 and fight. So, I mean, you have him. And then you got, you know, you have him. Then you have, you know, Neil Magny. You've got Hector Lombard, who, who you know, was a top 10 middleweight. I mean, he's coming down to to feather, to uh, welterweight and, and is a 13 contender already. So, I mean, then you look at, I mean, again, Wonder Boy, Big Rig. I mean, there are so many, so many fighters right now that, I mean, there's so many potential good fights that could happen between now and UFC 200. Because I think that's when, uh, I think UFC 200 is when, uh, there's going to be a couple championship fights, and then also, um, it's been it's been announced. Um, actually, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz are going to fight at 55. Not at 70. They're going to fight at 55 on the UFC 200 card. But before then, I I really think that. What really needs to happen is that, um, I mean, what really needs to happen, like seriously, is you know you gotta put you gotta put Conor McGregor in, into a into a championship fight at one forty five. I mean, I understand you want you want to see this fight, but it, it, I think I think you have to put him in in, in a fight. I mean, with either Aldo or, I mean, Jose Aldo or, I mean, seriously, I mean, like, you have to put him in a fight with Jose Aldo or Frankie Edgar or even, I mean, I mean, those are the two fights that, that needs to happen. I mean, Rafael Los Anjos, I mean, what what's really wrong with with Dos Anjos is he's got a list Frank injury. I mean, so there's no telling how long he's gonna be out. You know, a lot of people are saying that that was a that was a, a list Frank injury that he has. I I mean, I would love to see him fight that fight at 55, but I would love to see this fight again. Do I want to see it this early? No, I, I want to see him go back to 45. I want to see him. Fight Frankie Edgar. I want to see him fight fight Jose Aldo. I want to see what's going to happen when when Hernan um, Barral comes comes back to comes up to forty five. I mean, you've got so many things that are going to ha- that's going to happen in the months because Hernan Barral has has said that he's moving up to forty five, um, which in turn, you know, Jose Aldo is saying he wants to fight. He wants to avenge his loss, give up the belt, and go up to fifty-five, uh, 
and possibly fight Dos Anjos himself. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that that's going to happen between now and then. And, you know, Hector Lombard, you know, Neil Magny, this is, this is a showcase fight for you. Where it, you know, this is a showcase fight because do you win this fight? You set yourself up to be to be in the top ten. Get a top ten fighter. Get a top, you know, get a big name to to fight you. You know, um, and like I said, hey, Donald Cerrone may come up and fight you. Um, he's always on standby. So, but. Uh, I mean, this this is one of those this is one of those fights where you have to look and see. You know, whoever gets whoever gets gets banged out first is going to win this fight. But you know, this is this this is one of those fights one of those fights that you just you just want to sit down and watch. And again, you know, we we talk about the main event. We're talking about the main event now, and the main event is so. It's such a good main event because you got Frank Mir, former three-time heavyweight champion. Got Mark Hunt, who has pulled some big-time upsets in his career. He's beat he's beat guys like he he's won fights against um, Krokop. He's won. I mean, he won a big fight against Krokop. He's he's beaten some big time heavyweights in here, and he's also gotten knocked out by a couple heavyweights here. I mean, Roy Nelson. I mean, he he knocked out Roy Nelson. I mean, you look at. I mean, you look at some of the fights he's 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 won and he's lost. I mean. I mean, let's just go back, you know. Um, I mean, he... I mean, he was on a four-fight win streak. I mean, Stephen Strew, Ben Rothwell, you know, Tech Congo among fighters. Then he lost to... He lost to, to Junior Dos Santos. Um, and that was a fight where he actually destroyed a toe. And then... He proceeds to get knocked out with a spinning, with a spinning back, with a bit spinning back, you know, back kick. I mean, then he goes up and fight, and then he fights Bigfoot. That was a draw. Fight of the night, knockout of the night. I mean, he's got. I mean, he had four performance bonuses in a row. I mean, he put together fights that you just don't see. I mean, then he lost two straight. Um. Lost in the interim title fight against Fabricio Verdum. He lost to Steve Miocic. Um and then he then he you know got the draw and then got the win over Bigfoot. And now he's fighting a guy, a veteran than Frank Mir. I mean, Mark Hunt's got a chin that's made of granite. But is his durability still there anymore? I think that's that's a better question. You know, he's 41 years old. It, it, does he still have that fire? Does he still have that passion? Just let's just let's just wait and still there. Um, but I mean, I can see, I can see him 
winning big time fights. I can see him I can see him winning this fight, but if he takes he tries to like if if he tries to stand up with him, I hope that he stands up. I hope that he gets inside and stands up with him because Mir here lately, Frank Mir has been knocking people out of it. I mean, let's just put it this way. Frank Mir has been knocking people out of his I mean, he's he's on a he's on a little bit of a of a downward trend as well. I mean, he's won. I mean, he's won. He's five and four in his last, you know, five and five in his last, you know, ten fights, and and um, I mean, it, it's just it, it's it's real. It's, it's a real thing, you know. Just to watch him, and you know, two straight performances of the nights, and then he lost to Frank Mir. I mean, and he lost to Andre Olowski, um in a fight that was so anticipated before. Uh, kind of lost his luster, you know, fighting Andre, and you know, I mean, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen in this fight because Frank Mir can bang. He's also real susceptible to getting hit hit on the chin. So, I mean, it, it's just very, 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 very hard to say and very, very difficult to say. And I mean, I, you don't want to just sit up here and just, you know, just downplay what he can and can't do. But Frank Mir is just, I mean, he's he's a he's a different kind of fight now, a different kind of fighter now. And again, he's very cerebral. He's in the Winkle, he's in the Jackson. Winkle. Camp now, um, so I mean, like everything that he's doing here lately is just different. It's very, very different. So, um, just, just excited to see it. Yeah. And um, hopefully, hopefully things will happen in, in the way that it should happen. But. Put it down like Raised on a rule, never love what you ain't got So I walk by the code, never stalk, are you just not? Took a ride out there real quick, just to find that we all won Ask God what it means, saying back, never know until it's all done I'm still up with a glass filled up for the fact that we all won Caught up in a taste with some peace in the mind Won't stop till I got some So I live by the sides of the folk I would die with Cause say it's mine to give It's one love and one life to live So the night is on us Put it down like Came in by the sea Looked round for the home that she found in the South End Raised my mom up Same time serving meals every day just to pay rent 
80 years gone by and she's still right here, man, damn it, she love all This real talk, she was never alone, paving the way for the new unknown That is me, sitting low up in the ride, cap to the side All round, I see vibes of all types Made it through the rain, from clouds of all kinds Through the good and the bad, the people on both sides Now when they hard to tell you I'm about mine Thinking on world change, I'm thinking it's about time and born with the poor, just understand that you can be whatever you aim for, for real. Perfection. 
Meditation, trying to manifest these blessings Told them live it to the max So I ain't never feeling less than Then these haters trying to question Will he make it? Is he destined? I told you I'm the truth A living walking confession I ain't lying, I ain't posting I'm just driving, I'm just hoping That I'll find an opportunity And that a door will open So I never pay attention When they tell me that I'm chosen Cause I know I'm far from famous Even though they know I'm blowing up Took a while, but they know it's cow When I'm rolling up, people doubt Always ask me how, but I'm sure enough That I'll be the greatest that my town has ever seen Be the one to pick them up when they're down Like a towing truck Working, yeah, I'm working Put my team on, that's for certain I swear that's the naked truth Hiding behind those shower curtains I manage to keep it clean Making music without cursing Now I'm entering the system Watch me do it like a surgeon That's for certain Record and they have a better record than 
any of the four any of the four number one seeds in the tournament. But since oh, they yeah. play and in they the Sun Belt, yes, and since they play in the Sun Belt, you don't hear much about them. So, I mean, I loved it. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But and I think I think they have a pretty good shot against Iowa State too. Just how they played and how Iowa State. I think it's going to be a really great matchup. I mean, I'm pulling at this point. My bracket is just, you know, well, destroyed. So oh, yeah. I'm rooting for them. Well, I think they yeah. <laughs> I think them and Northern, or yeah, Northern Iowa are going to be two teams that can. I think they can make a pretty decent run. You know, and like we were talking about Tamara, like we were talking about off off the air um, earlier. I mean. <laughs> A lot of these schools that are that are making it through are making it through because they run the other teams out of the gym. I mean, oh, yeah. case in point, case in point, um, Arizona, Arizona, they got, I mean, they got beat up physically. They got beat to death on the offensive boards. They got beat to death defensively. I mean, they just really got out. They they got physically manhandled. So yeah. Um... And, I mean, Arizona and Cal, both, just by teams that I don't think anyone – I think the Pac-12 overall was incredibly overhyped this year. So, like, like what we were talking – I mean, we were talking about that earlier. But, uh, like we both said, I mean, these teams that can come out of nowhere and just manhandle them and run them out of the gym, it's crazy. And it's a lot of big – I mean, a lot of, I say a lot of Big 12 and Pac-12 teams I've been struggling with it. I'm just like, it blows my mind because how do you not prepare? It almost just seems like half of these teams aren't even ready to play. It blows my mind. This is this is a good point that you make here as well. And you know, when you look at you look at schools in the in the Pac-12, did I even think that they would get seven in even beforehand? No. And then the fact that they went two and five over the first two days. Oh, it's bad. Yeah, and the only two schools that it got through were going forward. And what we're going to see in this week 16 is just going to be that much better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think Utah and Gonzaga is going to be huge. I think – I mean, honestly, I, Utah needs to win that game, not just for them, but for the Pac-12 in general, I mean, it's I. A lot of people, like I personally, didn't think that seven teams should have gone, but um, I mean, this just reiterates it. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, I I preached that as soon as I saw the breakfast, I was like, you have Cal as a four seed, and they run up against Hawaii. And Hawaii should have been higher than what they were as a thirteen. But oh, yeah. again, you know, and and they beat Cal by eleven. And now they face Maryland who survived you know, barely. So on and so forth. Yes, and, and, and like you said, barely. I mean in Colorado I mean I see here's was, the thing, like I don't even consider that an upset, UConn, Colorado. I, I mean, I think yeah, they should have been That's just insulting to UConn. And I agree. And, and, and you know, we look at we look at the American, and we look at look at the American. I mean, they got four teams in, and they're what two and two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. 
people expect. I mean, I don't think that's anything that was like unexpected. No, I mean, but Baylor losing to Yale, that that was that was a bit that was a bit of a shock to me. Oh but yeah, the, I. I mean, oh no, you're fine. I think the Big Twelve in general has just. I I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not too happy with how it's looking for them. But, um, yeah, that was one of the bigger upsets I thought, too. I just – I know Baylor is normally a very physical team there. I mean, even size-wise, they're pretty big guys. Um, but, Yale, I mean, like we said, Yale came prepared, and they did what they needed to do. And I think that it's going to be great seeing them match up against Duke. I'm rooting for them because I, I, mean, I hate Duke. But, um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also great just – I love – I personally like seeing teams come out of the Ivy League and show that it's more than just an academic. Like, I, ha- I don't think we've seen any team do this well from the Ivy League since Harvard a couple years back. Right, right. Yeah. Yale's been the – been at the top of that Ivy League heap for a while. but Yeah, they pretty much ran it all year. Yes, I mean – since you don't really see them play until December because of the the rules in the Ivy League regarding vacation, then yeah. school, then play time. Um, you don't really see much of the Ivy League schools, and 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 I think that that makes the Ivy League that puts the Ivy League behind the eight ball. And not only do they not have a they don't have a turn they don't have a conference tournament as well. That kind of makes it even more of a of a difficult thing to see those Ivy League schools never play because you easily could have got two Ivy League schools in, Penn could have been the other Ivy League school. <clears throat> yeah, I think also so she's like yeah, just because we don't get to see them that much and they don't have that much exposure, I think all Ivy League teams really kind of come in and they're no matter what always the underdogs. But I think that almost works out in their favor because there's not too much pressure for them to do like that well if that makes sense like I think that they just come in and they can come in with a real level head and that and you see that work out for them when they upset teams like Baylor I think Duke I think Duke has a lot of pressure riding on them because a lot of people think that they're seeded a little bit too like I think a lot of people thought that their seed was a little high and that I for one to agree with you. Oh, you're fine. I for one agree with you because I'm a Duke fan and I even thought that they were they were ranked a little high. But at the same time, I mean, I think they're starting to peak at the right time as well. A lot of these schools are starting to peak at the right time. And Kentucky starting to be the Kentucky of old, in a sense. And I love that matchup, Kentucky-Indiana. <laughs> I mean, looking at the oh, yeah. today. And then, you know, Indiana-Kentucky is going to be a good game. UConn-Kansas is going to be a great game. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, I think I'm, like you said, the Indiana-Kentucky game is going to be incredible. I'm I know that both teams are going to put everything that they have, and that's such a personal rivalry, too. So that's mm-hmm. going to be great. And then 
I think the Kansas-UConn game is special just because both of these teams are so powerful in March. I mean, I don't think UConn – I think UConn's going to give it everything they have to, and I think it's going to be a battle of coaches, honestly. Um, Kevin – like, we talk about it all the time. Kevin Ollie's a great coach. He knows how to coach during this time. And, I mean, it shows. The results show UConn's always a contender every year. So that's – I mean, I think by no means Kansas is going to have an easy path against UConn. I think that's going to be a tough game for them. And if they do get past UConn and they have any other guys get banged up, I think that's going to hurt them. Either way, it's not going to be easy. You're so right. You're so right. I mean, you know, I mean we're looking at the second and the third round, which would be the third round now. I don't I don't know why we would call it the third round, but the round of 32, I mean, you've got basketball royalties playing each other, which is not a formal no. matter. But you're seeing it so early because of the way that the seedings worked out and the way that it's just the way this whole basketball season has come. I mean, it's just this is what we were talking about a few weeks ago back in the tournament. The unpredictability of of the college basketball season is this is great for college basketball. But have an upset special for you, and I actually like this upset special for today and for tomorrow. I think Wichita State can get past Miami. I agree with that. I think, I mean, how they played last night, they honestly, I think they're one of the best teams that have handled our press. I think Walker is huge for them. I mean, I said it from, I know my roommates when the seating came out were like, who's FF, who's SFA, sorry. And I was like, they they went on a run a couple of years ago. Like they're not a bad team. They're it's not gonna be it's not gonna be us like breathing through and clearly it wasn't, not at all. I mean, we were outmatched and I think that they could definitely beat Notre Dame. Um I so I completely agree with you there. Um I think Wichita because Miami struggled against Buffalo. I didn't even really watch too much of that game, but I was I was um, checking the scores a little bit ago and just was watching um was looking at that the whole game action and they struggled. Um, Wichita's hot right now and they they're always a team that is dangerous when they start making this be a little bit of a run. Um, I'm gonna even go so far as to say that I think Hawaii's gonna beat Maryland. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I wasn't gonna get bold with that, but I was thinking the same thing as well. I mean, because I I like the way Hawaii plays, and they have a first-year head coach as well. So, I mean, you have all these first-year head coaches that are doing so well in the tournament. It's awesome. Exactly. It's very awesome. And we look at other things from the standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't see Hawaii's coach or or Arkansas, not here. Arkansas coach leaving right right after this year. Um, I mean, I I keep going back to Arkansas just because I think they really have special, something special going on right now. I mean, he has what thirty wins, first year of coaching. Um, mm-hmm. and they're I mean huge beat Purdue, huge upset there. So I think he, I would like to see him. I mean, I hope he stays. I just want to see what he can do with the program. If he's going to turn into someone like Shock Smart, who can develop. It can develop the program like after a couple of years, not just have it be one like special year. If that makes sense. <laughs> this this does make sense. 
and I think he's setting himself up to go down that Saka Smart route where in a couple of years we're going to see him in one of the Power Five conferences. But I don't see that happening right after this year, um, especially with especially with Oklahoma State. I mean, they were projected to do a lot better than they did this year, and I think that they're going to look for someone who they know can has a solid track record of being able to bring back programs from – the de- I, their death, really, because I can't think oh, of anything yeah. uh, better yeah, to that, describe that, Oklahoma State's season this year. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, so, I, think, I think what happened with Oklahoma State, and I don't mean to cut you off, I think what happened with Oklahoma State, more so than anything, they ran into the injury bug, and they ran into it early. When they lost uh, Forte to the elbow injury, yeah. and then they lost other players to injury, I mean, that was just, to me, that was, he, coached, yeah. he didn't coach with that same passion that he normally coaches with, or with the way he played when he was at, when he was at Kentucky. I mean, it, he just didn't seem like, he doesn't seem like himself anymore. So, but I, I mean, I can see the Stephen F. Austin head coach, you know, coming there. I mean, he's been at Stephen F. Austin 10 years now. I mean, I can see him going there and making things happen there as well. So, I mean, there's I think, a lot I think of... that would be a better choice just because, like I said, track record, he, he's been there and he's done what he needs to do in the tournament. But I think it's going to depend on how they they do. I mean, if somebody can beat Notre Dame and then go on to beat whoever wins with uh, Wisconsin in the Xavier game, and make it, um, like, and go on a nice little run and make it really far, I think he might want to stay and see what else he can do with the program. I just, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is getting too, like, personal, not just about the game or, like, the business of college sports, but I think I would like to think that coaches would want to stay with a program that they've helped build up for this uh, I would agree. I would agree. I would definitely agree. And Besides the a few is, exceptions. Yes. <laughs> and, I, I can I can name a couple of those exceptions. I mean, you know, Roy Williams, Bill Self. I mean, I can I can see why they left the schools that they left to go to other schools. I can see that because those are all my mothers. But yeah. other people, other other schools, or even even Bob Hudson's for that matter. I mean, you know. He did leave Cincinnati for West Virginia, and I think that he needed to get away to recharge his batteries. And he's doing such a great job at West Virginia. I think that. And I think, I think um, going back. Oh, sorry, you go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say also. I mean, a big piece to Oklahoma State's puzzle was Marcus Smart, and he's going to be gone no matter what, just because he's at, with the Celtics now. So but, I think it's, yeah, I mean, having a solid recruiting class and less injuries is definitely going to help. I mean, a stronger team. I mean, with the disappointment that these younger guys have, have have had with West Virginia, I think with the recruiting classes coming in and a lot of those kids are going to come in and play early as well. I would say, you no, know, three or four guys are going to come in and play early anyway. I would say that there's a run for West Virginia in the next, if not next year, then the year after the next. I mean, it's just they've got that kind of set up there right now. 
Yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, how do I word this? Yeah, I think right, um, for West Virginia, I mean, for right now, I think that losing um, the seniors that we're losing is going to hurt. But I think Devin, I mean, I think we're going to do fine next year. I mean, it's gonna. Do, I think the most difficult part for us is going to be making up Jay Sean Page's points, honestly. Because we have a lot of good guys, and hopefully our recruiting class can help with that. But our shooting has been kind of spotty all season, so that's going to be tough. Right, and, I, and you know, this is the sad part about about Virginia. You know, you're losing so much of our offense, but defensively, yeah. I mean, you're still going to be solid. But it's just seeing what you can do on the offensive side. If you're going to get, you're going to get people to develop and become the leader and take the ball by the horns on the offensive end, I think that's going to be that's going to be what he's going to look for next season. Um, but that was a tough loss for, for both Texas last night, West Virginia last night. I mean, West Virginia, the fight back in West Virginia. That was a lot of fight. And we had, like, 17 turnovers, too. And SFA was able to score off almost everyone, if not everyone. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, that it's frustrating. And it's not just with West Virginia. It's with all schools. To me, if you're – so you're at this point. You, you made the NCAA tournament. You – every team is, should be able to capitalize off of turnovers. So that's, like, you can't do that. At this point in competition, you can't have 17 turnovers because every school that you're playing – is going to be able to score off of you. I mean, if you're playing good schools, which we did, and I think that was the most frustrating part to me, and, and because we don't do that normally, we aren't the team. Normally, we're the team that is giving another team 17 turnovers. We're not the team that gets 17 turnovers. So, I mean, that's frustrating to me. They play great defense, and I don't think we were prepared for that at all. You know, we look at we look at the other things as well. Um, with the press that West Virginia likes to run, they only created seven turnovers the entire game and got one defensive stop. One uh, of those seven turnovers, they got one 30-second shot clock violation where mm-hmm. they caused almost 17, 18 turnovers a game, which is yeah. basically had walk up being a stretch forward instead of playing the five like he normally does, he's stepping back, shooting threes, handling the ball. That was one of the bigger. That was one of the bigger things that happened in that game was the fact that you had a big guy handling the ball, helping break the press. Not many teams out there have a big guy that can handle breaking the press. With the no, not at all. And I think that that's where. And Huggins couldn't really get it together in that way. Because if you, if you play three if you play three or four on, on one side of the court, then you're going to leave, you know, four on one, you know, or – Yeah, I think – I mean, like you said, there was fight, but at the same time, they just looked lost. And I think, like you said, I just don't think Bollinger's even knew what to do at that point. I think our press is so overhyped by everyone that – I don't think we expect when we play other teams that they could break it. And then when they do, it's almost like, well, what's next? And I don't think they necessarily had that backup plan, which is frustrating as a student and fan because 
You know, and I still, I mean, I'm always going to love West Virginia and this team in particular. I think that they did a great job this whole season, and it makes me sad when people discredit their whole regular season. But, I mean, it's just very, it's very frustrating to see them, you know, beat Oklahoma in the tournament with how it's like essentially no time left, you know, and then just have them watch them fall apart like this. When I feel like we've had all this time to prepare during like the whole Big 12 regular season. And I think it's, I mean, it's not even just, with West Virginia, it's with teams like Baylor and Texas who, like, lose in the first round, too. It's just frustrating to me watching them play well for, and then just get decimated by, like, Yale or, like, lose with no time left to Northern Iowa. Yeah, I mean, and that was that was so disheartening for me because I actually watched the Texas game from start to finish because I wanted to see what kind of what he was going to do defensively against Northern Iowa and those five guys who can pretty much shoot from anywhere. And they use a lot of high-low pick-and-roll type plays to open up the lane and get easy buckets. And then when they wasn't getting the easy buckets, they were draining threes. But Texas, when they went on that, when they went cold, midway through the first half, and they went cold midway through the second half. I mean, they just didn't yeah. put it together. Just didn't put it together. And I, I don't understand, you know, why you didn't. I mean, then you have some leadership out there. Oh, I don't get it either. And I know, did you, how much of the Oklahoma game did you watch? Because I watched a little bit, and – um, CSU was was giving them a run for their money. I mean, if they didn't go off the score, if you look at the score, it's very different than how Oklahoma actually played the whole game. I mean, I was I I mean, like I said earlier, like my bracket's destroyed, so I'm just kind of rooting for us at this point. So I, I was okay. excited for them. It's their first year in the tournament, and they held Oklahoma. I mean, it, up until the very end, before they went on their two thirteen run. Right. I mean, and that that was the thing is that. Baker has a lot of inside presence and score baskets just at will. So I mean, like he he was distributing pretty well as well. So, but I mean, they they didn't play awful, but they did make some mistakes that that can be cleaned up. Yeah, and I think Oklahoma is a team that does learn from their mistakes. I think Oklahoma is very well coached. So I'm sure they're going to be fine against VCU tomorrow. But it was, I mean, it was close. Hopefully they're fine. I'm going to make one team to be in the final four in my bracket. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We look at Michigan State. Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, Middle Tennessee is... I mean, you can say that Michigan State was too, though, honestly. Right, and you can, and you definitely can. But I'm just – it behooves me to even mention this, but when Michigan State was a two-seed, like, I want to say it was like 2000 – I want to say it was 2000 they were a two-seed. They lost to a 15-seed. So, I mean – that kind of reared his ugly head, too. Yeah, I, I, weird. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, that was a weird tournament as well. I mean, 
like 2000 was very, very weird as well. I mean, I think it's funny because when Selection Sunday, like when they announced number one seed, people were freaking out that Michigan State was not a number one seed. I every, was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought that I really just thought that they struggled and like they were struggling in the Big Ten tournament. And Big Ten isn't really even that like I mean they're a good conference. So I'm not I'm not saying they're not a good basketball conference, but they're just not as strong as they normally are. I think like Wisconsin. And Michigan and Michigan State are normally teams that from early on are doing damage and are winning, and you didn't see that this year. So, I was, I mean, I think Oregon's played, Oregon's played great in the tournament. Oregon played great regular season. So, I thought that they deserved to have the number one seed. I don't know. I, I mean, I thought, if anything, UVA shouldn't have been a number one seed and Michigan State should have. I thought people were kind of not looking at that. But – Right. Yeah, I don't know. They, didn't, they did not play great at all, though. And Middle Tennessee played much better. I thought, especially towards the end, they pulled away. And they did. And they pulled away big time. And, oh, yeah. And the thing of it is that this is the first loss from Michigan State this year. Well, it's not their only loss this year to a non Big Ten school. And they got that loss at the wrong time because do you have mm-hmm. that had senior leadership but did not get the job done just for some ungodly reason just didn't get the job done um I mean I know like March is built for offsets and that's what everyone says but yeah like it's just blows my mind, especially when you're a two seed, how do you let that happen? Like how do you put like <laughs> almost just like like they like had a great Michigan State had a great one all year and just crash and burn. I mean I guess that like if you look at Dayton losing to Syracuse, it's the same thing I guess. I mean Oh my god kind of, That came out and that that might have been like the biggest the most surprising upset to me, honestly. That might have been it. I mean, Syracuse has a... Mama has a better record than them. Yes. (laughs) Like, significantly better. Yes. But they pull off a win in the tournament. I mean, they should have been a first four team. They should have... No comment. No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't right. know what else to say oh. about that other than just what? really. Yeah, you I mean, I think it goes. Dogs. I think a little of it also goes back to teams. Sorry, what were you saying? You lose the same jobs by twelve, and they only had five wins the entire season. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't I don't know if they I, – now I guess it's hard to argue that they shouldn't be there, there with that much – with a huge blowout against Dayton. But, I mean, I think it also goes back to schools like maybe Hawaii, who seeded a little uh, – who I think was under-seeded. Um, and Syracuse playing with a chip on their shoulder, like knowing that nobody wants them to win and knowing that they have they have pressure and needing the pressure. Um so maybe it's a little bit. I don't know. That is a huge win for Syracuse. 
And norm, which is surprising because normally I I would say that Syracuse does very well regular season and then kind of falls apart in the tournament. So it's interesting to see them completely reverse that. I, I just I, like, I, yeah, it's weird to say the least. No, is it weird? I mean, it's just exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I guess there's no other word for it. I mean, that's about all I can say about it. I mean, because. Is it can be it can be April and you'll still have these kind of things happen. I mean, in NCAA basketball. I mean, it just flows in April. I mean, flows in the May, flows in the June. I mean, it's not going to flow into the into the preseason in IT next year. We're going to have upsets all over the place. I mean, it's going to be fun. I think um, I'm just looking at the game set up and I'm trying to think about all um, the games we haven't touched in terms of upsets. What do you think about Providence and UNC? How do you think that's going to go? Providence got through by the skin of their teeth against Southern Cal. Yeah. They won't get past North Carolina. Now, if they come out shooting hot like they did against Southern Cal, then they might make a game of it, but Florida Gulf Coast gave gave North Carolina a bit of a scare. I mean, with some of the things that I agree with you. I really I thought Providence would play a lot better against USC. I mean, they have two two of the best players in the Big East right now, and I don't know why they're not playing better. I mean. Chris Dunn is projected to go top ten in the NBA draft, and that alone, I mean, most like I guess with the exception of LSU and Ben Simmons, that alone I think should be elevating their how they play as a team. But I don't know. I mean, they they did struggle and they barely won. So I think before that game, I could say that they could go up against UNC and maybe give them a challenge. But yeah, I think UNC is just going to kind of blow past them. At this point, okay. I agree with you about yeah. the winner of Indiana and Kentucky, though, being able to hold them. I have a question for you now. Yes. Oregon or St. Joseph? I mean, cause this, this one's intriguing as well to me. So, I was just talking to one of my friends about this this morning because I really like this St. Joe's team. I think that they have a lot of fight in them. I think that they hold on up until the very end and if every single game they've played. Um, and I think that people don't give them enough credit. And I think that they can hold Oregon. I'm not sure if they can beat Oregon just because Oregon hasn't been playing phenomenally, phenomenally well lately. But I think that they're going to give Oregon a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I agree. I agree definitely with you. I think Dana Altman is the coach of the year, the next coach of the year, without a doubt. Definitely. I mean, the way that they're playing right now is the way that you should see a North Carolina or a Kansas play. But you're not seeing that right now. But with the St. Joe's team, the St. Joe's team is like it's just like you said, and they're so aggressive defensively which makes them which makes them very potent on the offensive side to get in transition because they, they play a little bit of a small ball if you, if you think about it. I mean you haven't seen that kind of play from St. Joseph since you had Jameer Nelson 
West in the backcourt. So this makes this game very intriguing to me. Definitely, I agree with you. I, I'm really excited about that matchup, and everyone's kind of been like, oh, like, why? It's, like, Oregon's just going to kill them. But I think they're going to give Oregon – I mean, I think they're definitely going to challenge Oregon, especially um, if Oregon has to – or whoever wins that game has to play – has to face whoever wins the Duke and Yale game. I don't think that's going to be an easy matchup either. I think if Yale wins, no. they're hot. No, no. I mean, Yellow and Duke played earlier in the year, and uh, Duke actually beat yeah. them by 19. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be that time, much of a blowout. No, but at the same time, Yale was actually in that game. That's actually led that game by six at one point in that game. And I can tell you, looking at that Yale team, I was like, they're going to make some waves. And that was the first thing I had told a lot of people. Especially my friend Tyrus, who shouts out to my man Tyrus. I mean, he's a big North Carolina fan. I'm not sure if they can beat Duke, but I think it's going to be really close. I know when I when I was doing my picks originally, I had Baylor over Yale, and then I had Baylor over Duke, just because I mean, I I mean, a little bias. I just watched Baylor play more in the Big Twelve. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It's so hard for me to do picks, and it's funny because um, my grandpa actually worked at Oregon State for a while, and he always um, I do his bracket for him, and he always says how I never never count the Pac-12 for anything. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like, yeah, I'll I'll pick them for a couple more games than I normally do, and then this happens. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, like you never you never know. So I don't know. I think I I remember watching. Yale and Duke earlier in the year, and I think Duke. I mean, sorry, Duke has just been so inconsistent. But they, again, they're one of those teams that knows how March works and can handle themselves. But I don't think it's going to be that much of a blowout at all. I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I, I mean, like I said, I do too. And I, and I like I said, I, and the reason why I'm picking why, why I'm picking Yale over Duke again, I'm a Duke fan, but I would love to see Duke win. But Yale has a deeper bench than Duke does. I mean, the Yellows. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it could go anyway. I think that they both have a lot of advantages and disadvantages against each other. I would but, agree. And I, would, I would definitely agree. And you know, before we go any further, before we go any further, I want to congratulate you. I, 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 I heard. I read some things. I saw some things uh, both on your Facebook and your Twitter. And I want to congratulate you on getting into that program that you got into. Oh, thank um, you. So I mean, like, so that way, you know, this is this is not just about sports with this young lady here. I mean, she—you can tell she's a basketball girl. She knows her basketballology to the to the T. But this is a woman who is going to be doing big things in her life and. I uh, just wanted to congratulate you and get that out there to everybody as well. Thank you. Yeah, anticlimactic decision. Um, I'm staying at West Virginia next year for grad school. But <laughs> I'm like, everyone was like, oh, are you sad to be leaving? I was like, actually, no. Because I'm actually, staying. No. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Very glad, I'm very glad that you got into that program and, you know, now we're going to have some agents in the world. I'm going to have to hire you as being my agent, you know, when I make it big. 
exciting. Hopefully, I'm going to try and start doing more stuff with men's basketball now that I'll be here, but we'll see how that works out. <laughs> hopefully so, and hopefully, you know, we can we can get together during football season as well and, and talk. Oh, yeah, definitely. Talk football and, and things that nature because, I mean, sports is, sports is what we love is what we have a passion for. Definitely. I mean, and not just in sports either. It's anything. I know, like, I'm a sport management major, for those who don't know. Um, and I picked that major because I didn't want to sit at an office all day hating my life. So I picked <laughs> the one thing <laughs> I picked the one thing I'm passionate about, and I love it. So, I mean, if they go for anything, I know. My sister's like a vet, pre-vet right now, and my brother's going to go into astronomy, I think. And my mom's always like, you guys like might not have jobs right away, but at least they're going to be happy, so. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> The reward is going to be so worth it in the end. So let me ask you this. Did you play any sports when you were growing up? Or... Um, yeah, I ran forever, like track and cross country and all that. Um, so that was, like, always my strongest thing. Um, and I did competitive cheerleading for a while, too, which is which is a sport for everyone that wants to argue that yes. cheerleading is not a sport. Cheerleading is a sport. I was a cheerleader. So, just oh, were you to really? let y'all know, yes, I was a cheerleader. I, I, I participated in partners, not this guy right here. Yes, I did. And I enjoyed it. It's fun. And, and the reason why I did it was because my best friend was a cheerleader as well. And he was the only male cheerleader. So, I had to go out there and support, support my boy. So, I mean... Big up to my man James. I know he's listening too. I love you, buddy. <laughs> um, it's just, it's just, you know, cheerleading for me was just a way to show off my muscles. So oh, yeah, I mean that's why like <laughs> those guys do it. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, I'm not gonna like sit up here and lie about it. I mean, like you know, I like flexing for a minute. Now I'm just a fat boy with a dream now. <laughs> It's a fun, it's I mean it's a fun time. It was a workout too, almost more like just because it, it was, I mean anything competitive like all star, whatever. I mean for any sport is probably more competitive right. than a school, but I mean it was a good workout. I never got to. I'm I'm a little sh- on the shorter end, so I was never doing basketball or anything like that. But unfortunately, I played hockey for a little while too. Believe it or not. Wow, hockey, hockey, hockey. I love hockey. Speaking I love, of hockey, I mean, I mean hockey's one of my favorite sports. I learned how yes, to skate I, when I was like three. I learned how to skate when I was like four, five, maybe. I mean, and I and I didn't learn on ice. I learned on rollerblades. So, and then I <laughs> kind of placed that on ice and kind of worked out for me pretty well. So, you know. But, I no, mean, skating, like, sorry, you go. I, mean, I love hockey. I, mean, I love hockey as well. I mean, like, I'm a big Blackhawks fan. And I have been watching a little bit of little bit of the hockey tournaments that are going on right now. And the hockey tournament actually starts next Thursday as well. So, I mean. You're definitely be down for that. I'm a Flyers fan, so, I mean, like, you know. I'm, I'm silly across the board, if you didn't know. So, my life is just always – 
I mean, I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan, so I mean, I, I feel your pain. Hey, they. Hey, I was rooting for them. <laughs> I was rooting for them. I wanted them next year. You guys look good this year. Oh for, yeah, like, this upcoming World Series. Definitely, definitely. I mean, I I expect us to win the NL Central this year. Like I expect the Blackhawks to win to win their division as well. So. Hey, you never know. Sports are always. <sighs> <laughs> anything can happen, as we've learned anything from March Madness and like every yeah. sport, really. Yes, and well, I you love know, it. I've also been. I mean, my my remote has been so busy. I've had to buy new batteries for my remote because I run my batteries down on my remote so low for like three days now. Going back and forth between wrestling, playing football, between. The NFL Pro Days, the, the wrestling tournament, the NIT. I mean, everything that's been going on sports-wise, I've been just going back and forth on it. But at the same time. Um, what was that last part? Sorry. I said there's been parity all over the board. I mean, even in wrestling, I mean, some of the seated wrestlers have been have been upset and knocked off. Um, I mean, I just, just gotta love, like you said, just gotta love the month of March. I tell you, it's awesome. Though. I mean, I don't, this is why I love college sports even more so than the, especially college basketball more than the NBA. I mean, sorry for everyone listening up per sources, like because they all they like message me all the time because they're all huge NBA fans. But, I mean, college sports, are, to me, there's so much more room for upsets and so much more room for anything to happen, especially this I tournament. I mean, this is, every, this is very, very true. It's everything very giving 100-plus percent. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. we got about 60 seconds until we get out of here. And, uh, I want to say a special thank you to Miss Audrey Johnson. Any last words? Oh, yeah. Um, thanks for listening, as always. Um, I should be on. Next Saturday, I'm just looking at my calendar. I don't have anything going on. So I should be back to talk about some more upsets that are more than likely going to happen. Um, and just check out Per Sources and Chat Sports on Twitter. And this, um, our websites are exactly the same. So um, check them out. And thank you guys for listening. Thanks, guys. Everybody have a great weekend. And let's have a good Yeah, man. Hey, yo, T, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look around and I think, like, maybe I am out here on my own. Yeah. Gotta find something. Oh, I can't? But I can try, right? Yeah. Well, what then? You know that ain't so bad. 
Yeah, I saw the girl I love for you stand on your own. But you ain't gotta deal with these cameras alone. From the beginning, see, I learned how to manage my own. Became the boy, and then I turned to a man on my own. The lone wolf for the pack, moving through hella crap. Down to earth, so it's only natural I hold you down. Now you the one I picture when I roam around. And the summer I'm falling for you is going down. Yeah, staying stuck in this season of mine. And I've been shining to the point that my reason is blind. Think I'm the one that that's just something I'm reaching to find. Out of control, but yo, that shit that I still been denying. Yeah, the lights down, but we staying up. And looking back where I started, my only way is up. Way to the world, but I lived it before the weight is up. And still myself the one and only that I came to trust. Now that's some crazy luck. Yeah. Let it rock. But you want some soul shit. Yeah. Uh, and she just keeps saying. You can't rescue me. Oh, nah. You know what? Maybe you're right. Well, what you gonna do? Yeah. Yup. I never really thought realistic. Cause when it comes to my vision, man, only I can see it. Said only I can reach it. And I'm just praying by the time that I'm gone, I'll be here in spirit so you can hear this. Well, these rappers stuck on the same product Tell them forget it, ain't hard to tell that they ain't got it Simple and plain, I'ma leave this world with my name on it Knowing it's easy to hate the plane when you ain't on it Ride it Whipping through the horizon, my time it is something better than it's ever been They call me Wolfie from how I'm plying on hella biz Hip-hop's alive and I'm here to show you the evidence Back to the wall where I started back in the day I was pushing maximum effort and pulling minimum weight Trying to show the autos around me that I can stand on my own Now I swear I'm Afraid of nothing, I'm screaming that through the phone While I'm busy pulling my fam up an animal How I ran up the standards of how we live And it's funny, they pull the cam up The pics of how I'ma get it when years I've been in my zone And it's just how I started by killing this on my own My word is my bone And I'm just out on my own